What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We're happy to be back with you guys. Hope you enjoyed the Thanksgiving holidays with your family and friends. Tonight, we should have a very interesting show for you. I have no idea where this is going to go because there's so many rabbit holes this one's going to go down, but... Y'all welcome Don Brooks to the show. Don, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure, pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because it's uh, the amount of different circles that both of us have ran in for it's, all the time I've been in Dallas and that we never really crossed paths completely is mind-blowing. I have no idea how that didn't happen. It probably did. Yeah. But we just... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're too drunk to know it. I don't know. No, I mean, it's something. Because, I mean, hell, we even lived in the same damn neighborhood. I know. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, Don, for those that don't know anything about you, why don't you give everybody, like, a little brief background about where you're raised, where you came from? Uh, all right. Well, I uh, lived in Garland. I was uh, born and raised. I, I was actually born in Dallas, at Dallas Baylor, but... Uh, lived in Garland pretty much all my life, except for, oh, four years, whenever we moved down to Pasadena, Deer Park area, and my dad was going to college down there, um, but, uh, I mean, Garland was it for me, so, I uh, went to, uh, that's how you know those shady characters like Jay Banning and Preston Sams, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the old GHS, original, the original OGs. Oh, man. <laughs> now I'm going to have to listen to this from you as well. Yeah, this is going to yeah. be awesome. <laughs> no, it was it was a good time with Garland. But, uh, and then because I lived in Garland, uh, going uh, into, uh, I, I actually... There was a company that was in Garland called E-Systems. My grandfather worked for them for years and years, and uh, I ended up getting on with them and, and working there for 10 years. I was working on all kinds of top-secret projects and whatnot. Um, you know, just you name it, it was there. So yeah. I did that, and uh, at the same time I was doing that, I um Started out with my first actual business when I turned 21. I got my FFL license. Started selling guns and started selling guns to a lot of uh, uh, the Garland cops. Okay. And that got me into uh, Garland PD because one of them said, hey, why don't you come ride along with me one night? And I was like, I can do that? <laughs> he said, sure. He just got to sign a little form. I'm like, all right. And then, hell, if we didn't get into a damn high-speed pursuit that night, and I was like, where can I sign up? So <laughs> I did that too at the same time. And that, uh, that same thing happened to me, only I didn't ever go to work for the police department, but I had a <laughs> girlfriend right out of high school that sister was dating a Dallas police officer. And man, he was, kept begging me to go on ride alongs with him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you said, sign a little paper. They issued me a shotgun yeah. in case of emergency. And yeah. I'm like, are you shitting me? I'm getting a shotgun? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, and like, and we ended up in a high speed chase through Deep Ellum, like yeah. in the back streets. <laughs> yeah. And it was when they had those, uh, I think it were Impalas, and they had the manifold issue that it actually, our car was catching on fire, and a like 70s Corvette came racing up beside us while we're in a chase. Wow. And the guy's like, your car's on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys, that, that was when I knew I never wanted anything to do with working in law enforcement because 
by the time they picked us up and got us back to station, it had to be about three o'clock in the morning. And I didn't get to go home till like nine or 10 o'clock that morning because of all the damn paperwork we had to fill out yeah. and sign off on and saying that we were all good. Yeah, it, um, it, there, there's just so much paperwork. I mean, especially with, you know, stopping and pulling somebody in for DWI or whatever. That's a minimum four hours, Ugh. you know, just on that one thing. Yeah. You know, so. But no, and, and, and so, you know, uh, going through um, – uh, all of that, uh, you know, I, I've had background in law enforcement. I'm still involved with law enforcement out of Hunt County uh, Sheriff's Department. And, um, but with, um, I also had an IT firm and did some really good business with all of that. Um, some, you know, big major projects with companies like Compaq and PageNet and Mary Kay. My son actually works with the Mary Kay family a little bit right now. Um, and, uh, you know, just different stuff. Yeah. And then, um, ended up getting out of pretty much all of that to go into the oil and gas business. And that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I'm still doing that. Yeah. And what are you doing oil and gas now? Uh, we do, uh, you know, a lot of acquisitions for, uh, pipeline right and things of that nature and actually kicking off a new company. Hopefully, uh, and everything's going to get started this, uh, first of this next year. Uh, with survey and engineering, so we'll okay. have, those, have those offerings as well. But the one thing that I kind of did as a little side little hustle at one point in time during all that. See, y'all thought we connected because he arrested me or something back uh, in the day. I wasn't out, went down. <laughs> yeah, well, so my dad back in the 60s was in the music business. Yeah. And he had a group and he had a label and the publishing company and all that. And so... I said, you know what, I said, that sounds fun. I want to kind of get into that or whatever. So I took over what he had still had out there. And then uh, he introduced me to another guy that he was friends with uh, named Rod Phelps, uh, who actually had a, a management company and, you know, did some stuff with publishing and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, so I started working with him and then took that over and then created this other company called Mustang Agency, which we did a lot of touring uh, you know, booking tours and whatnot nationwide. Um, got a couple of record deals out of the thing. Got a publishing deal for one group over in Japan. You know, just stuff like that. But it was just, it was, it was really cool to be able to hang out with the crew, the Deep Ellum crew, and, you know, all of those people. And um, I actually started a little thing one time. I think I told you about it with, uh, with Chaz Knight. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to take Deep Ellum out of Deep Ellum, the whole concept of going and seeing live shows with independent bands, and take it to North Dallas. So we got together and we started this thing called North Dallas Live or Indie Live. And uh, it lasted for a good few years and had a lot of fun with that. And I think it just, you know, we just kind of got over it and moved on. (laughs) Yeah, what years was that? That was like early 2000s, right? Yeah, yeah. That was early 2000s and uh, into, say, the uh, 2006-ish or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say that's right about when I remember Chaz doing all that. Yeah, because he wasn't with the Eagle anymore. And, um, you know, so, but but he was, a you know, in a face and a name that everybody knew. 
So, yeah, for uh, sure. That's why I went and got with him, and then, uh, you know, and then uh, got to be really good friends with Robert Miguel and Cindy Skull over at the Eagle, and we did a lot of stuff with them, doing a lot of uh, side stage promotion, and you know, doing some. Uh, uh, if they were going to go out and do a remote somewhere and they needed some bands to play, you know, or whatever, we'd all get that all hooked up. And then, uh, you know, so there was a lot of uh, stuff on the Eagle when when we did that. Omni Entertainment and 97.1 Eagle. Yeah, remind that, me, so. what, what were some of the bands you worked with? Uh, some of the bands were like uh, Within Chaos was one of the ones that I got the, uh, you know, record deal for. Um, and uh, with Altered and uh, a band called Pistol Whip and Ike, um, Crave. I mean, it was a bunch of, you know, lo- See, and lo- Jeff Gomez is a good friend of mine. So, like, how we didn't cross paths, because what, what was the club over off Northwest Highway, like, that had the big fountains and stuff that Pistol, Ike, Pistol Whip and Ike did their, like, opening show there, like, their first big show uh, it turned into Gas Monkey, oh. but it used to be called something else in the early 2000s when they yeah. first built it. It was like this grand place, the big fountains. Right, what was that place? It was something live too, wasn't it? Yeah, I feel like it was. I can't remember the Jeez. name of it. Somebody uh, will. One of one of the music guys, I'm sure, will jump on here yeah. and tell us what we're too many long forgetting here. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, no, it, was, Jeff, it was a good time. Jeff and those guys were all good friends of mine. Brandon and all those guys, mm-hmm. man. So, yeah. yeah, for all y'all wondering how we actually connected. So, I have a neighbor in my new neighborhood that invited me to a friend's giving and said, hey, I know guy into bourbon and cigars, and you guys would probably really get along, and I know you're wanting to sell some bourbon and this and that. And I said, all right. I was like, I'm, I'm free. I think I can go by there. And I walk in and meet you and then i walk out and and this is in my former neighborhood that i used to live in Mm -hmm. that i lived in for eight years and we never crossed paths although i used to walk my dog by your backyard because you're the only person that has a double lot and has like the biggest damn backyard in the entire neighborhood yeah with this amazing (laughs) back patio and i was like man i really want something like that like i I really wish i could fit that in my backyard like And I used to walk by and see it, and there was always tons of people on the weekend over there. Mm-hmm. And I'd walk by. But anyway, so we get introduced, and then I walk out onto your back patio, and I feel like I'm having a damn music reunion. I mean, I run into my good friend Howard Hancock's mm-hmm. out there, and like he's got his little son Miles with him. And I'm like, how in the hell did you get Howard this yeah. far north? I mean... <laughs> I like, tried to get Mimi for lunch, and he's like, well, you got to come to Dallas. Yeah. That's like second or third time he's been there. Uh, I think it was the third time he's been there. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, – so he, you know, they uh, – he and Clint, of course, Clint. Yeah, so, and I missed Clint by like five, ten minutes, I heard. Clint, the owner of Trees, uh, you know, he was there, and uh, both of them, you know, played in the band called Down Low. Yeah. And I actually kind of worked with them for a minute because I got them their first TV appearance on what used to be 33 and a third back in the day when yeah. they would do music episodes. Um, Which is really funny because that's when Howard and I actually became friends because I had gone to a few download shows and was a huge fan. 
And I just happened to be down there, and he had told me about it, or he would talked about that night at the show the weekend before, yeah. that they were going to be doing that, and just trying to get everybody down there. And I, I was one of the crazy people in the front going bonkers for him when they were, yeah. you know, 21, 22 years old, yeah. you know, for that show when they were down there on the news. And that's when Howard and I actually became really good friends. Yeah, yeah. I got I got them and, uh, and a couple of other um, uh, bands on that, on that same uh, series or whatever. Uh, one of them was a band called... Hollow and uh, uh, Brandon Barrett yeah. who is no longer with us. So yeah, sad story, man. It's yeah. sad Brandon's no longer with us. Yeah, because literally a couple of weeks before that happened to him or whatever, he uh, was at my house at one of my parties. Yeah. You know? So, um, but no, it's it's just, I went out actually uh, the other night for the 20th anniversary for the Mad Mexican show at Trees. I uh, know. I wish I'd been in town. I saw that, and you'd even Man. called me to see if I wanted to roll down there with you. I, I bet that was so awesome. so many people again that I haven't seen in forever. Billy Blair was there. I mean, I yeah. just, just tons of people. So, And and uh, I walked actually into, um, into um, JR's bar over at Will Call yeah. first. And literally run into some girls that I know there, and they were like this. They came over and you know screaming at me, and they said, "No shit, we were just literally talking about you five minutes ago," and then here you walk in. Yeah, <laughs> and we I hadn't seen any of these people for probably I don't know, like seven, six, seven years or something like that. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a small world, man. It it's is. just such a reminder when you get down there in that atmosphere, and you kind of get distracted by it all, and forget because people bands break up bands move on new bands form and you you go your certain path and they go their certain path and you know it just when it when it all collides back together it's it's just it's really cool man because i i'd stayed so far out of the music scene after about 24 25 that until about 10 years ago i really didn't get around it a lot again but then when uh when Matt from Matt Mossman from Edgewater passed, yeah, I was I, I knew all of them. I was real good friends with Courtney, yeah, his wife, yeah. and all those people. I knew Micah real well, and yeah. you know had to had to go support that. And I ran into man, there were so many people that turned up for Matt's memorial yeah. that that was an amazing show. I mean, guys I think I was that out had of town take, when that happened, so I couldn't go. Guys that hadn't taken the stage in a decade, man, got up there and were singing Edgewater songs with the guys yeah. on Matt's behalf, man. It was, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It was, it was awesome. Good times, good times. No, but it's, um, it's been, um, I don't know. I guess I've had a pretty fulfilled life. You know, been around. So, what'd you start out wanting to do? I mean, because you've done so many different things, like. How did you kind of find and get to where you are now? Like, I ultimately I like running business, no matter what it is. Yeah, serial entrepreneur. I, I, yeah, and I have always had, I guess, to an extent, um, a good core group of people. You know, when I would go from one to another or whatever, even when I was, you know, in. Uh, police work. If I left one department and went to another, I had people that would just quit and go where I was going. You know, literally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I've always, I guess, kind of been told that I've had a good leadership quality, but um, I try to 
stay in that realm, you know. Um, but um, it's all about treating people right. If you don't, you know, treat them right, then, of course, they're not going to be there for you when you need them to be there for you. But uh, it's just um, something I like doing. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys I would rather, you know, give than receive to an extent, you know. Yeah. Christmas time comes around, I, you know, I just have fun watching everybody open up what I give them instead of me going, oh, what'd you get me, you know? Yeah. If I get something, that's cool. If not, no big deal. I've got enough in my life right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not like I want really for a whole lot. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my wife gets pissed off at me about because, well, I don't know what to buy you because you're always buying yourself something, you know? <laughs> yeah. He'd probably go with a gun or a good bottle nice. of bourbon. I mean, yeah. I don't know what gun she would find you from what I've heard. I mean, I saw a little bit of your collection, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you could do a podcast episode every day from now till the end of next year and probably not touch on each piece. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and that's, you know, kind of... Uh, one of the things that, you know, somebody's been, you know, or not somebody, but a few people have been pushing me to do is, you know, do something and do your own about what you like. Yeah. You know, and what is that? That's cigars, guns, and cocktails, you know. Yeah. So. That's, well, while we're at that point, before I forget, because some of my listeners will absolutely beat us up if we forget to talk about it. So, as far as what we're drinking and what we're smoking tonight. I am smoking a principal Cochon Volant right now. Um, Y'all have seen me have this one on here before. It's a very well-constructed cigar that I really enjoy. Um, Don is smoking, and I don't remember which one of those, so Paco, forgive me if you're watching this. (laughs) That's one of Paco's private collection cigars. That's one of the first two or three series he did. Yeah. if I remember correctly, because he didn't do many of the dark Maduro wrappers like that. I think that might even be the only one he did like that, at least the only one I've, I've got. Mm. And then oh. as far as what we're drinking, you had never had Harbinger before from nope. Iron Root. Nope. You hadn't gone down the Iron Root hole yet, so right. we've got that group pick there. I think you're currently drinking the the, the, ten the year. Temple, Templeton 10-year rye. Yep. Um, that's good. It it obviously doesn't suck. I mean, we're <laughs> we're down to a little bit there. And then I also grabbed this Buzzard Roost Straight Rye Whiskey. This is a barrel strength. So nice. Don really prefers heat with a with a big flavor punch. So all three of those would fit that category if that's what you're into. Um, but yeah. two ryes and a bourbon, um, and then. Biz, what, what are you smoking on over there tonight? Uh, well, what do we Luciano. go with? Yeah, that's what I thought. You you picked that 2022 limited release Luciano. See. That is a phenomenal cigar. Never had it before. This is- yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, that's a good one. And then we've got a couple more up here that we might get to. We've got the Black Patoro. That's one of my favorites to go to. And then we've got the... ICC now has Davidoff up there, so we've also got the uh, the the late hour 
Nice. That's another one I grabbed. Yeah, the late hour, man. Those are. I just brought a couple with me, so I didn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know what we were going to be doing, so. Well, we kind of just go where we feel like going. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever seems to suit the night. Right, right. No, I, uh, it, it's, um, so you're in construction now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so. I do multifamily construction. I, I'm, I'm with a GC company called Element Enterprises. Okay. Um, we're a full service general contractor for multifamily. Okay. So we go in and rehab apartment complexes, take care of their general maintenance, their all their upkeep, paint, carpentry, city inspections, lender inspections, you name it. Right. Well, I got a couple of buddies of mine. One of them basically can outfit pretty much any, you know, commercial and or I'm guessing possibly multifamily uh, with all their cabinetry and everything else. I mean, it's probably one of the largest in the United States. We, we definitely need to talk about that. I'm always down to have other good supplier-vendor relationships, and cabinetry yeah. is highly in demand, especially if somebody can produce and stay in a good price point and actually turn something over in a reasonable amount of time. You would like this dude. His name is Adam, Adam Sumro, and, and he's, uh, he's, he's a really cool dude. Um, but, uh, and then another, uh, buddy of mine, uh, Troy Mata, he's doing a lot of, uh, furniture stuff. So, okay. Yeah. You know, he outfit everything with that. Awesome, man. So, yeah. But no, yeah, we'll get into that for sure. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, we can go in down any kind of rabbit hole that you want to, as far as all that's concerned. But, uh, I mean, you know, talking about, you know, um, uh, the music business stuff or whatever. Yeah. Back in the day, it was, you know, um, uh, Curtain Club and and then you had, uh, you know, uh, Galaxy Club and... Vampire Lounge. I mean, all of those <coughs> places trees are no longer around. I Gypsy mean, Tea Room. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like what, what what's left? Trees. As far yeah, as the there's not a stuff. lot. I mean, there's still, I guess, Canton Hall. Is it even still called Canton, Canton Hall? I think it is. <clears throat> And then you have the what was the bomb factories now just the factory. The factory yeah. Live Nation bought it, and you got Southside Ballroom. I'm talking more about Hospice. independent ownership. Yeah, though, yeah. I mean, know? but there's just there's not any of that now. I mean, even even some of the stuff that was has been bought by the Live Nations of the world, yeah. and you know has gone on that way. I mean, well, I, I think Clint Barlow is one of the very few that is still. We like to support our independence. Yeah. We'll call and stuff like that. Those other I mean, boys will always make money, you know. But, you know, the independents, we've got to keep them going. Because if not, then that's all we end up with is just commercial, you know. Yeah, no one wants to just go see. I mean, there's a time, in, in my opinion, and I think you share this. I mean, that's why you wanted to bring that Deep Elm fill up to Dallas. North Dallas, I should say. Mm-hmm. Is... I mean, there's a time and a place where you want to go see the big band play in a big arena. Yeah. And you'll pay the 100 bucks plus for a ticket and, you know, go see the big show with all the theatrics and the fire and, yep. and everything else that's involved with that. But to me, what is way cooler than that is seeing either the up-and-coming band that's about to get big or the bigger band 
play one of these locally owned places yeah. where it's a smaller, more intimate show. You, people talk about those shows forever. I mean, I remember when I can't even remember if it was, I think it was 97 one in the early two thousands. It was like 97 cents or whatever, or maybe it was one Oh two one. It was like a dollar ticket yeah they never it was a mystery band yeah you'd have to go down there and it rotated between all those locally owned ones we were talking about clearview and dada and trees and all that but it it rotated and you just you had no idea who was coming in town yeah and i mean nickelback before they blew up like we saw nickelback we saw smash mouth Mm -hmm. we saw um deftones i mean big ass bands and something that i mean what did Clearview hold? Like maybe four hundred people? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're seeing the Deftones swing off rafters and shit packed in there, and packed and sweating your ass off. Yeah, in places. But an amazing show up close and personal. I mean, Gypsy Tea Rooms like that. My my wife still makes fun. I got strep throat, and I normally don't get it. So like, I'm a carrier for strep. Yeah. So when I get it, it puts me down. Yeah. And my wife got to see Incubus at the Gypsy Tea Room. Nice. I mean, that that's a show no one's ever going to forget that uh-huh. was at that show. I mean, to, especially if they end up playing acoustic or something like that and really strip it down. I mean, that's a one-on-one unique experience. Well, it's like, you know, um, but Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, um, I think me and my wife were down there one night, and we were doing just – I don't know what we were doing down in Deep Ellum. I think I told her, I said, let's just go in, see what's going on with, in, in trees. Walk in, and hell if he's not the one playing at trees. Yeah. And Clint totally hooked us up, got to go up in the crow's nest and sit there and just watch the whole show, like, front stage right there. It was just so awesome. Yeah. It was a really great night. And, you know, just going over to, like, Liquid Lounge, whenever they used to do the Acoustic Wednesdays, uh, or whatever, and you know, watching bands like Jibe come over yeah. and play. Oh man, I had, I had Toby in them, man. Ah, uh, yeah, and he's apparently doing well with his uh, real estate stuff. Yeah, I've, I see. I follow him on Facebook still. Uh, he's a realtor, so he's competition for my wife. So you know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, can't go down that rabbit hole too far, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, Toby's sober for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. Married, doing really well. You know, I mean, that it's, man, it's awesome to see all those guys really like. That turn. man was one of those guys that you could go up and do that whole. I want to take this pint and see who can drink it the fastest, and it was like just pouring it into thin air with him. He just it, it was gone. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't even know how you do that. Oh, I yeah. can't drink beer that fast. <laughs> I, I don't know how any of them do it. I mean, I used to do that with Jaeger because some of the bands I ran around with were all sponsored. It was like Miller Lite, Coors Light, and I couldn't drink those beers for years after that because they were all sponsored by them. Yeah. You drink that shit for free damn near every night, and it's like yeah. that's what you did because you weren't making much money out on the road. Right. You know, you know, especially you're just hanging out with the band, you know. And then Jaeger was so big back then that – Red Bull was making its big push, so yeah. everyone had the Jaeger bomb. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to where mm-hmm. Jaeger, I hate black licorice, but for whatever reason, in my early 20s, I could I could murder Jaeger. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember when Howard and I first started hanging out, and he came out off the little tour they did, and they were, I forget where they were playing, but it was somewhere in Deep Ellum. 
And they got done with the show, and he's over there, and he was talking it up. I said, you can't drink Jaeger. He's like, man, I am sponsored by Jaeger. Yeah. I said, cool. That means we're drinking for free. Let's do it. Get a bottle. Yeah. And me and Howard started just going back and forth. (laughs) Howard tells a story. He ended up driving like 30 minutes the wrong direction going home and had to like pull over, (laughs) take a nap, and then drive back. Because he was so gone. Yeah. But, yeah, and I had told my wife those stories, and it was really funny, and I hadn't seen Howard in, like, 12, 15 years. This was probably about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, mm-hmm. and we went over to the armory, and we are having some drinks. Yeah. And we came out, and I was like, man, I wonder who's playing at Trees tonight, you know? Like, just kind of went over there to check it out, and guess who's working the door, like, early on? Howard's standing yeah. there. And the first thing he said to me is, we're walking up, before he ran over and like damn near tackled me was hey man no fucking jaeger and he goes well i'll do one with you just because it's you i was like man i don't really drink jaeger much but just because it's you we're gonna drink one jaeger yeah my wife just looks she's like you weren't lying huh? you and howard had a jaeger thing huh i said yeah we, we were known to hurt some jaeger from time to time jaegers and what is it Tawakas and oh my god! Oh, I still can't drink Tawaka. I can't oh. either. I can't touch it anymore. Tawaka. Oh, yeah. I but yeah, that, uh, you know I, I, I got allergic to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I, I wish some of these. You know, all these music stations are going by the wayside too. Now, I mean, we've lost most of that. We're losing most of the local venues. I I really hope some of these people start pushing that back in with some of these music center areas that I see that are in development. I, I hope, like, Frisco has that new music center that's supposed to be getting developed. I hope yeah. they start bringing it back because I think, you you know, you need some will-call places in other areas to bring back that music scene. Well, yeah, and, it, and it's not like, you know, they're, they're, they're dives. These are nice places. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in relation to some of the other bigger bars you know they're not you know they're just smaller um i don't know what you want to call it the community bars kind of to an extent yeah and that community might not be the community that's right there it's the community of friends that come around to that bar yeah could, exactly. i mean and, i mean look at me you know and you we if we go down there we're taking a trip yeah you know it's a $150 night for me if I want to just take an Uber down there and back. Exactly. You know, but you get down to where we're at in this stage in life or whatever, that's what I'm doing. I'm not driving my... Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than a DWI. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's just, I don't know, I, I think a lot of that nostalgia has been lost. Like, I think that's why people end up getting wrapped up in their phones and recording everything else during these concerts because you're in this massive place. Like, it's it's not personal. It's not intimate. Like, you're not watching a band grow up. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not watching them make that leap anymore. And that used to be the coolest thing, to see a local band make it. I mean, the Dallas music scene in the late 90s to early 2000s was hot. I mean, you had, you know, you had Edgewater that got signed by Creed's label, what was that wind up mm-hmm. or turn t- wind up? I think it was, yeah, wind up. I had it right the first time, but I mean, you had all these different amazing bands. I mean, you had the Flicker Sticks, you had Dolly Braid, you had Hollow, yeah. you had Ugly Mustard, 
I mean, yeah, Slow Roosevelt, yeah, the slow Toadies. Roosevelt. Slow Rose coming back next year, I think. Yeah, I've heard some rumors, and <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut, but y'all are going to be excited. I mean, that's what's been cool lately, too, with the resurgence of vinyl. Yeah. A lot of these guys have gotten back together, even if it's for one show, to re-release whatever their best album was on vinyl. I mean, yeah. you've seen the Nixons come back around. They're doing it, and some of these bands are getting back together, and they're starting to tour again and stuff, which I think is awesome, man. I mean, I, I want to see a lot more of that. Oh, we got Vince Barnhill on here. Yeah, Vin, Vin, Vince uh, Vince, is a good friend of mine. Vince has been on the show. You, Vince uh, owned Universal Rehearsal. Okay. So he was all tied in with all that, and yep. he's, he's working on bringing Universal back and getting the space going again for these bands. Oh, wow. And he's, uh, he's even been helping a little bit over there with uh, the Longhorn Ballroom. Okay. You know, they renovated that and brought that back. Wow. So that classic venue, I haven't made it out there yet. I'm going to go see when next time Vince calls me and tells me there's somebody really good there. I'm going to have to go check it out. That's cool. Yeah. Vince said no moonshine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we went hunting this weekend and I brought him some, uh, some moonshine and I, kn uh, I knew when I gave it to him, I was like, he's either going to really enjoy this and we're not going to see him in the morning hunt or yeah, no, we're just not going to see Vince in the morning hunt. And yeah. Well, we didn't that, see Vince for the morning hunt. That reminds me, I've got, um, I got some uh, seven gallons of stuff to put together. Yeah, the, <laughs> our, our our apple pie moonshine. Yeah, me and my uh, my mystery guy. Yeah, well, yeah, he loves it. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, we just do it with already pre uh, pre made liquors, but it it turns out phenomenal. I mean, everybody that I've ever served it to likes it, and it was all a creation of my uh, of my buddy, uh, Dirty Uncle Al. Uh -huh. and, and me, we, we'd get together every Thanksgiving. He brings his family over, uh, his mom and stepdad, and, and uh, we have Thanksgiving, and then we get to, you know, working it up. And we make it, put together seven gallons of it, and let it sit. Start serving it on the, at our New Year's Eve party. <laughs> there you go. Well, I yeah. actually have a good friend that he knows this Russian guy that is amazing at making all these flavored moonshines. Yeah. And they are legit. And they're not this, like, store-bought or you mix your own stuff. And he's got the peach and the apple pie. Problem is, to get the peach or the apple pie you got to buy, like, a case and get, like, a mixture of everything. Yeah. So there's stuff you want, stuff you don't want. Yeah. And like, I always like the cherry get those. Stuff, I can't handle it. It's I don't know what it is about it. The, the cherry moonshine, it did the flavor on it just hits me wrong. I can't do that one. Yeah, I haven't had much cherry. Yeah. Most of the time, like, he has a, the watermelon's real good, mm -hmm. the peach is real good. Yep. He has a pear that's really good. That's the first one I ever had was straight out of a still peach moonshine. That shit kicked my ass. <laughs> and yes, JP, I dyed my beard. It was getting way too gray in all the wrong places. But I think I did a pretty good job, don't you, JP? <laughs> I just noticed. I don't know. All, all of them are coming out the woodworks tonight. Yeah, I... Quit doing stuff to mine a while back. I just said, screw it. Let it go. You know, that's when I realized, like, I how much I did remember 
being around you and some of these bands was when I saw some of the older pictures. Yeah. Because we both had the long hair and the yeah. goatee. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's when it set in. And I was like, like yep, I, I, I remember, remember him. seeing him. <laughs> when he looked like Dante from Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I had, a, I, I had a really good time when I was doing all that stuff because I would get flown out for showcases and stuff like that all over New York and California and Florida, just all these different places. Yeah, I mean, we went to so many amazing music festivals, and like, I mean, I've looked at some of these now, and it's like, a, I'm older, and I don't really enjoy being at some of these festivals for three days, being packed in with that many people. I, I would way rather do the smaller show. Here's an interesting story for you. I got flown up to one. Uh, it was a festival that was being put on in Sedalia, Missouri. It wasn't a great place. Yeah, that's why. right outside the Ozarks, isn't it? I, yeah, I was just at some fairground kind of thing or something, I guess. Anyway, um, Drowning Pool was there. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other bands, but it was the first, actually the first show for Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's when I... I still haven't seen them live, and I really want to see them live. you got to see them live. They really are. Yeah, that's when I first met Ivan and became friends with him. Um, because, uh, he also, his previous band was called Motor Grader and of course, hard, hard, heavy, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so he played first Motor Grader and then came back on the stage later and played, you know, Five Ring Death Punch. And, uh, it was, that was an interesting whole situation yeah. in and of its own. But, uh, yeah, it was a good, I mean, just a lot of just good yeah. times. So another one was when I was dealing with this band and. I'm not even going to say the name of the band because they're no no longer around. But I got uh, brought out to Hollywood. I'm getting driven around by the guy who's the guitar player in the band. And we're driving around in a really nice Mercedes. And I'm like, dude, I know your band isn't making that much money. I know what what, what we're booking you out at right now. I was like, so where did you get this? You know, how did you get this car? Well, I used to be an actor. And I was like, oh, yeah, everybody in Hollywood's an actor, you know. So I was like, anything I would have seen you in? And he goes, yeah, probably. He goes, you ever seen uh, Free Willy? And I was like, oh, dude, you're Jason, <laughs> the kid in Free Willy. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, so I was like getting, you know, just we were just out doing our thing, hanging out. And then he goes, I'm going to go to a party tonight. He said, you want to come with me? So I've been invited to one. I was like, sure. Where are we going? Went to Shawnee Smith's house. The crazy chick and saw one, two, and three. Okay. Yeah. So went to her house and just, it just I mean, it was just nights like that were always happening. Going yeah. and hanging out on the, you know, the patio of the rainbow out there in Hollywood. I mean, just, it was That's the other one. I want to see the Viper Room. I never got to see that Viper yet. Room I want to go cool. see the Viper Room. I mean, uh, the Key Club. I, I could get go in the key club and get in a private booth and bottle service and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. Good time. I got to go to a lot of the festivals that I probably wouldn't have. I mean, like, like Voodoo and stuff like that. Like, I saw Voodoo when, like, Snoop and Tool and Pearl Jam and, you know, all these different yeah. bands were playing there. I mean, like, Big Aerosmith. Like, you know, there was a lot of crazy bands that played in the early 2000s at festivals. I had, but the lineups just, to me, haven't been as strong 
in a lot of those. Yeah. Now you got like Rockahoma mm -hmm. that's gotten way bigger. And, you know, we used to always go to Memphis in May. Yeah. And Memphis in May was an amazing thing. Just, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Memphis. Bill Street is like one of the dirtiest places. Everybody talks about New Orleans being dirty. Yeah, no. Bill Street can beat that up and down the dirty tree. Yep. Yep. Yeah, well, one of my agents, whenever I had my booking agency or whatever, uh, uh, was a guy named Chris Jones, goes by Roach. But uh, he was the one who was uh, taking care of booking pretty much and managing the new Daisy on, on Bill Street. Didn't you have some connections with, like, Pimpadelic, too? Yeah, yeah. I was I was managing them at, on the very end of their career. When they were full-blown fucking crazy. Yes, straight up. I... I Everybody was like, why are you even going to try to mess with that? I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just friends with them, and they want my help, so yeah, I'll do it. You know, I mean, you might know because it was at the end then. So is the story true about Pimpadelic where we won't name specific names there, but somebody pulled a gun on a Sony executive when they were <laughs> actually going to get signed? I think that uh there's is a, that just one of those that just kind of blew into something i think else. it blew into something else but i honestly i wasn't there so i wouldn't put it past them because that's, that's crazy they were that's one of my first experiences at trees because when i was in high school i had a i had a 1970 chevelle and i had a pimpadelic sticker on my back windshield and <laughs> they played at trees and he literally whipped it out and peed on the crowd. <laughs> and people were so mad that somebody went out and found some kind of like, like a corner of a cinder block and threw it through my back windshield. Oh. And like Howard actually helped me like tape up. Cause it was like middle of January. Oh yeah. And like, Freedom. and I had to drive all the way back to Carrollton oh, in like 98 and like, I had to like tape my whole back window just to make it home because it was like all nasty and like sleeting outside. And yeah, like, yeah, that's my pimpadelic story. That's... I used to be a big fan of them until that happened. <laughs> it was, uh, it was. I would have to excuse myself a lot of times from hanging out with them yeah. because they would start to get a little crazy. I mean, like even when we hung around some of the Pantera guys, like. Oh, yeah. Those guys could get crazy, but I I would suggest that it might be possible that Pippa Duck could out-party Pantera Any day. back in the day. Any day. And, and that ain't a far-stretched story. And that wasn't because story. That, was, that was just, I don't know, I want to call it pure stupidity, but, I mean, it just, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. how crazy they got. The, I yeah, mean, those and, boys and, got wild. Me and Chaz... Um, we're doing a uh, uh, show there at um, uh, the original Hard Rock in Dallas. Yeah. And uh, that was the night when they inducted uh, Dimes Guitar into the Hard Rock. And uh, so we were hanging out with them after they got through and doing their little meet and greet or whatever, hanging out in the upstairs room or whatever and, you know, having drinks with them and whatnot. Dime, dime. dime, out of all the Pantera guys, was the nicest guy. Always. Him and, his, him and Vinny. Always. Those two were so nice, man. Like, And they wouldn't even... I mean, you always had certain people that would come around when they were hanging out that would 
fanboy them and stuff like that. Yeah. They were just as cool to them, but like if you really were chill with them, man, those dudes would I mean, offer you anything. They'd give you their personal cell phone number and be like, "Yeah, man, call me anytime. Like, let's hang out." Like, they I mean, they just didn't have a beer with you and like just absolutely enjoy hanging out. And they would they actually supported a lot of local music, man. Yeah. Because, I mean, like... They'd come out and show up to their shows. Hollow. They were working real hard trying yeah. to sign Hollow to their deal. Right. Um, and that deal just didn't work out. But, um, yeah, it... They, they... When you talk about, you know, siblings being opposite... Yeah. To an extent, that's what they were. You know, uh, Dime was always the really, really outgoing. He would just go, you know, running through the crowd and saying hi to people, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Well, Benny would say, you know, do that, but, it, you know, at the same time, he was more reserved and always. Yeah, way more pulled back. back. And, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. In fact, I, another one, I did shots with him at Trees like two weeks before, you know, he passed. Yeah. Crazy. But, yeah, it was every time you saw him, it'd be, you know. And he had a miraculous up. way of remembering your name. Yeah. Like, that was insane to me. I mean, I'm in sales and I have to give people like nicknames or remember something to like remember names a lot of times. I'm terrible at it. And I, it's something I work on all the time. Yep. And that, that dude, I mean, I sat and drank beer with him one time at some random ass bar in Deep Ellum. And then I ran into him at a like hole in the wall in like Plano or something where we were having like crawfish and drinking beer. And he just showed up and was hanging out and he remembered my name. Here's a crazy like, one. That was wild. Like the thousands of people that dude ran into. Here's a crazy one for you. I, didn't re- I don't know if he really remembered my name, but I'm out at an award show, a music award show out in, in uh, Hollywood. And um, I uh, was, you know, sitting back, and I knew that one of the, one of the presenters was uh, Corey Feldman. And I was like, ah, got to try to get, you know, meet up with him again. I actually ran into or was hanging out with him uh, after one of the crazy shows that he put on with his little group that he tried to come out and do music with or whatever at the Galaxy Club. Closed it down, you know, down. And then afterwards, we hung out and had drinks, you know, partied and, you know, went here and there or whatever. And then I ran into him. And after the award show, you know, everybody's just kind of hanging out, you know, and, and doing little meet and greet, you know, whatever type deal. I go up and I see, first off, I see a dude named Patrick Stevens. I don't know if you know who Patrick Stevens is. Patrick Stevens always did uh, crazy motorcycle, like, show, like, stunts. Okay. He could get on a cafe racer and just pop it up and ride a wheelie in a five-foot circle. I mean, he just balanced that bike and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, apparently he got to be friends with him, and he was out there with him. So I ran into Patrick. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? And he goes, oh, I'm hanging out with Corey. And I was like, no freaking way. And he goes, yeah. He said, hang out. He said, well, he'll be over here in a minute. And then when he came up, I looked at him. I was like, hey, brother. I said, I know you probably don't remember me. And he looked at me for a minute. And he goes, and I said, in Dallas, Galaxy Club, he goes, yeah, man. He goes, we left from there and we went to here and there, you know, and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't believe it. He remembered actually what we did, you know, cause I mean, he was doing all kinds of crap, you know, Yeah, uh, he was, ha- had any memory. 
Oh, that's wild, man. Yeah. So. Good times, though, man. Oh, and, and um, so I was dealing with a band uh, that I was uh, uh, working with up in, and I went up to Minnesota. We were going up to the recording studio to listen to some stuff that they were doing. And it just so happens, I didn't know it at the time, but the, the dude that was helping them produce their stuff was Kevin Martin from Candlebox. Mm. So, another cigar guy. So, we uh, hung out and started talking and, you know, kind of just hit it off right away. The guy that was financing their stuff was there, and he's like, hey, man, we said, Look, you, why don't we all go out and eat dinner tonight? Some nice, expensive steakhouse up there. It's called Ray's or Roy's or something. I don't know. But anyway, as soon as we walk in, because Kevin and I had already talked about cigars and stuff, as soon as we walk in and got sat down at the table, I tapped Kevin on the shoulder and said, hey, man. I said, do you see that humidor when, when we walked in? He goes, yeah. He said, I already had my eye on that. He said, it looked like they had some Cubans in there. I said, oh, yeah. He said, so let's get one after we're done. So we go over there and we start picking out, you know, the uh, cigars. I got, I don't remember which Cuban it was that I got. He got one. And... He, you know, whipped out the cash and paid for it. He said, oh, I got it, man, you know. And from that point on, every time that they would come through Dallas or, you know, somewhere where I could get to their show or whatever, <clears throat> we'd go and I'd meet, meet up with him and I'd hand him a cigar and then we'd hang out afterwards. <clears throat> so um, I took him, uh, him and his a uh, couple of his band members or whatever to uh, Lower Greenville one night and just <clears throat> popping around. All the different, you know, bars and whatnot. Yeah, I heard that. I never got to meet them. I heard they're really nice guys. One of my really good really friends nice growing guy. up, she did a lot of work with them. Uh, I don't know exactly what she did. I think she was helping promote and stuff like that when they were doing a lot of stuff around here in Dallas. Like, they spent a lot of time here in Dallas. Like, they, they apparently really like playing around here, or well, at least did back in the day. Um, they got a little bit of family here. Um, I was friends also with his... Um, and I still am, uh, with his cousin, uh, Lisa Martin. And, um, so they would, he would come in and whenever they would have a show, she'd bring, uh, I guess, uh, um, her dad or her uncle or somebody that was related and, yeah. you know, bring them out to the show. Um, but yeah, always just, a, a really good time. All right. I was supposed to ask you if you know Warren Garza. Yeah. <laughs> that's paul beckingham asking he's a good friend of mine okay yeah paul actually wrote the intro that plays on our podcast oh and, nice and recorded that for us nice yeah it's a great dude Warren. yep uh, it's, it's uh it's uh there there are a lot of uh i don't know there's, there's just so many people that i've met out of deep Ellum that are down now Either, you know, they're doing something different or, you know, yeah. whatever, but you still see them every now and so, then. So you seem like me, granted, I'm not doing anything with music right now. I've got some stuff in the works that you and I have talked about a little mm -hmm. bit. And we might even team up here a little bit on this, maybe, hopefully. But music seems to be like a backbone, like passion of yours. It is. That, that you really are, is a part of your life. How is it you don't really still do anything with music other than socialize? I just because I mean once it got to the point to where basically the internet killed record deals. Yeah. Um, I just said, look, there's just I'm, I, unless you've got a ton of money behind you, 
you're not going to make it in this business. So I just wasn't making enough money okay. to, um, uh, I guess, move ahead on what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. So that's whenever I kind of just, you know, bailed out of it and uh, focused more on this oil and gas. And, of course, that's why I kind of got where I've got right now because uh, I paid for it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I mean, but but again, I still have a love for it. Uh, even uh, Chris up in and uh, Roach up in uh, uh, Memphis, he hits me up all the time because he's still heavily involved with it, and he says I don't trust but two people when it comes to being able to advise me in anything when it comes to, you know, um, you know contracts or you know anything like that in in this industry or just advice. And, you know, so there's, I, I get a ton of that. I get a ton of people coming to me for advice for different things because I've kind of had a pretty storied life, you know, in different arenas. Yeah. And so I don't sit back and just do and stay in one little pocket. Like I'm not somebody that just went out and started working as a plumber. And that's all I've done all my life is being a plumber. Yeah. You know, I've went around the circle and. And because of that, I also make friends that are in possibly several circles. So I listen and learn and, you know, whatnot. And uh, why I've made a ton of friends and, you know, i got a ton of friends that, you know, own, um, you know, different uh, restaurants or bars or businesses or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. And so I keep in touch with them. That's one thing. It's one key thing I will tell you about anything when it comes to business. Don't ever lose connection with anybody that you've made connections with that has a solid base. If they've got a solid base, don't ever lose connection with them. Not because um, it will do something for you, but it might do something for somebody else down the line. Yeah. Um, so what are some key things you do to maintain connections like that for somebody that literally just uh, make sure and, you know, keep in touch with them. Cause we think this is common sense and that's why we talk about mm-hmm. these things on here because not everybody has these common sense factors that they, they put into play all the time. You, 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 you might not talk to them for, you know, six months, possibly even a year or whatever, but still reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, uh, what's going on? Hadn't talked to you in a while. Let's catch up. Let's yeah. go have a drink or let's go eat dinner or, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, so you do. I mean, I've still got people from high school that I, you know, stay connected with. And I might not see for a year or two, but I will get back in touch with them. Yeah. Me and my wife may go have dinner with, you know, him and his wife or, you know, her and her husband or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, because... Uh, and I'll, you know, give you a, for instance, on some of this stuff, like, um, my son, my youngest son, he's was working at one restaurant and, uh, you know, he was a manager there and it was doing really good and making good money for, you know, somebody who was 17 at the time. Yeah. And then he turned 18 and then, you know, uh, he was like, you know, it's, it's time for me to move on, you know, whatever. And he was like, dad, I know, you know, a lot of people. I was like, yeah, let me make some calls. So I made a call to, you know, one of the top restaurants, you know, my guys there or whatever. And um, he said, look, tell him to go 
to this restaurant. It's a really high end Italian restaurant or whatever. And tell them I sent him. And so he did. And I gave him his number and they started talking and he went there and he got hired on the spot. And then he's, he's just moving up. Dude, the kid's making over a hundred thousand dollars a year at 19 years old. I was like, if I was there there at nineteen, yeah, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I'd be way further ahead. Yeah. Because you gotta just keep that good head on your shoulders and make sure that you're you know, you have a plan. Put together a five year, a ten year plan, hell a two year plan, you know, but have some kind of plan on where you're gonna and not just a here's what I'd like to do. Put together the steps to to get there. Yeah. You know. So it's, it's not about just, you know, again, coming up with a pipe dream and say, I'd like to do this one day. No, we've talked about that several times on here, whether it is entrepreneurs, business owners, special forces guys. You know, a lot of the special forces guys, like the, their big thing is take the shot and don't quit. Mm-hmm. In, in mo- in, you know, to sum it up real briefly there. But I think that's a key factor is that you – you make a plan, identify what has to be done to do that, and then have the discipline to do those things. Because it might not happen on the timeline that you think it's going to happen, right? but day in and day out, the ones that are successful have the discipline to do those things, and then they just don't quit. I've, I've just seen so many people that um, are, there's, there's, the, there's the two different types. You got the ones that'll sit there and keep playing at it and keep playing at it, but they don't do anything to try to get further. And let's even just in the music business, let's say these guys are going out and playing, you know, and this, that, and the other, and all they do is just try to get to the next show and get by, you know, whatever. They're not out there promoting themselves. Yeah. You know, they think that, uh, you know, online, you know, uh, stuff is going to be able to do it for them. All I got to do is just post it out there and everything's just going to do it by itself. Yeah. You might get lucky, yeah, but probably not. Probably not. So let's try to make connections to other people or whatever, other things that might help you get there. Uh, if you get to somebody that's really popular on there and they love you, guess what? They're going to post out about you, and then the next thing you know, you're blowing up. Yeah. You know? Um, but but let's, let's talk back in the day. Back in the day, you remember being out like on – uh, patio, a curtain club, or you know, trees, or something like that. And there's your bands out there just handing out flyers, handing out flyers. Here, man, come see our next show. Come see our next show. Flyers, stickers. But then all of a sudden, you know, the internet stuff. Yeah, MySpace all, comes along. Yeah, MySpace and all that. And they thought all I got to do is just put it out there, and then people will come and see it and they'll like it. And everybody got lazy and just quit doing all that stuff. And I was like, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't go out and work that crowd. I'm going to give you a, for instance, uh, in a different type of business. Go to some place like Javier's. Okay. Go to Javier's, and Javier is there all the time, working and walking around. I mean, he's the owner. He don't have to do that. Yeah. But he goes around, and he says hi to everybody and everything. When you go to a certain bar or something like that, and you see the owner – and they come over to you and they say something nice or whatever, and maybe they send you something or whatever, you're like, I want to go back there. This place yeah. was freaking awesome. Yeah. Those people were, like, on top of things, and the owner come out, 
and said Shook hello. Shook my hand, and bought and me what, a drink. Yeah, and that's why that man is successful. Yeah? I guarantee it. Yeah. Guarantee it. I mean, because you got to add some personality to it, mm-hmm. you know, like not just be a name. And it's not just him. He's taught all of his people there to do the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, Eddie and Carlos and all those guys there, they all do the same thing. They go around and say hi to people and make sure everybody's good and taken care of and nobody's above anything else. Carlos is the GM there, and I see him running food out to people. Like, he doesn't have to do that, but it's what you do if you want to get the job done. Well, it also seems like... You don't look at roadblocks or stumbling blocks the same as a lot of people. No. That like, you know, you've you know, you're not afraid to change course or to pursue another passion. You you make moves to to continue doing the things you want to do. Have you always had that mentality or is that something you taught yourself? Is that you know Yeah, I mean I think it's something I mean I learned a lot of st- a lot of that stuff from my dad, you know, I think um you know, when it comes to um, just pursuing something that you want to do. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I watch, you know, again, like uh, these other people who are doing these different things. And I'm like, that's the kind of guy I want to be. I want to be somebody who you want to come back and see, or let's put it like this, um, uh, where, you know, people want to come back and work for me because I've treated them right. Yeah. You know, that's not about, you know, don't, don't come up and work for me. And then, you know, because something ends and I, I don't have a job for you right now or whatever. And then tell me to, you know, F off, you know, it's not the way to go. Right. You know, so, um, because I, I believe me, you won't ever get anything from me again. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it's just me. I mean, I think it's anybody, you know, uh, so I don't know. I just, um, I, 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 you know, see something and I, you know, a lot of people will, are, there are like, you know, look, I'm good where I'm at. And if, and if you're happy and you're good where you're at, then stay there, do that. But, you know, when it comes to, um, um, you know, people that I see that I know can do better, and get more for themselves, then I'll push them. And I'll say, look, dude, you gotta, you gotta do it this way. You can't stay where you're at. Yeah. Uh, as in my youngest son told him, I said, dude, I said, if you stay where you're at, you're not going to get any further. You're going to be right there in that same realm, hanging out with the same people, you know, whatever you need to step it up, you know, hang out with a different, I don't want to say class of people, but in a different area where you can make different connections with people. You have to grow. Yeah. You have to put yourself in environments where you can grow. Exactly. You can't stay around with the same, you know, if, if none of your friends have ambitious goals and you're very ambitious, well, you're either going to adapt and change to them and well, let those go, or you've got to put yourself in other situations. Yeah. I mean, don't go try to, you know, freaking sell surfboards in Montana. Yeah. I mean... Right, <laughs> yeah. where are you going to get with that? You know, uh, it's you go where it's warranted. You know, yeah. Uh, so it's just, I mean, it, it's common, like you said, common sense. Well, we say it is, but not everybody <laughs> no. looks at it that way. So I mean, that's kind of where it's, we want to 
point those things out and kind of bring those to some forefront so people might consider that or yeah take a different approach to yeah. it yeah no for sure and i and i you know i i, I again i'm a i'm a people person so i love to be able to you know have people around and this that and the other but there's times as well to where i'm just like you know what i'm just i'm good with tonight i'm gonna hang out and just be by myself or just me and my wife or you yeah. know whatever and man and that's that's fine is your wife like that too or is she she's not she is uh she likes to get out and do things but she's more of a homebody um but you know at the same time you know again she has no problem you know if i say look let's go out and let's do this or whatever she's like oh, i'm in yeah. I mean, she's kind of always been that way. Uh, she's gotten a little bit more reserved as, you know, as life's went on. Uh, you know, she just went through a, you know, year and a half, you know, long deal about battle with breast cancer and beat that. So oh, far. awesome, man. Glad to hear yeah. that. Um, and was just a champ. You know, I mean, I didn't think I was going to see that out of her, you know, being able to take I mean, her. She had that that red devil stuff, the really hard, you know, yeah. stuff that they give you. And, and, uh, and she handled it like a champ. I mean, just, I, I thought she was going to possibly just throw in the towel. Great band. Yeah. 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 Break down and be one of those, you know, Oh my God, I'm hurting. And you know, this, that, and the other, but even though that might've been the case, she just pushed forward, you know? So that's awesome. Uh, to hear, yeah. That, that was good. And, uh, everything's, you know, running good. I just got her what she wanted. For a long time, she wanted a little lap dog, so I just got her a little miniature schnauzer. And miniature schnauzers are awesome, and I grew up, my first dog was a miniature schnauzer. Nine weeks old. They, they are full of personality. They're fun dogs. They live a long time. I, I love boxers, man. I got a boxer now, and I mean... The, only, the, the saddest part about having boxers is they are cancer machines. Yeah. And... They have about an eight to ten year expectancy, man, and it's it's sad. And you watch them go from being balls to the wall, from puppy to about four years old. Then they kind of calm down just a little bit, yeah. And then after about six years, you just you watch like it, they rapidly age, like yeah. really fast. And it's like, man, it's it's heartbreaking. Like I I don't know. I said this last time and. It lasted about seven months. I'm sure my wife's going to correct me on that and be like, it lasted four. But, you know, it, to, to go through that again, I, I just, I'll, I'll, when, when Con passes, I, I don't know that I'll do that again, at least not for a long time, especially like I did last time where I kind of went and filled that void real quickly there. Well, that just happened with me. I had a pit and, uh, you know, she lived you know, 15, I think it was 15 years and they're not supposed to have, but about a 10 to 12, you know, life yeah. expectancy and, and, uh, was loved by everybody that would come over to our house. Cause she was just the greatest dog. I mean, to the extent when I mean, he knows he was there, busy was there. Um, she, uh, she was my daughter because I had boys, you mm -hmm. know, so that, Girl, she loved, she would watch my every move. Yeah. You know, she would just, my wife would say, whenever you would leave the house, she would go to the front window and just look out the window, just pine for you. 
Well, that's what Khan does. I mean, he if I go out of town, he won't eat. Yeah. He doesn't eat until I get back pretty much. Wow. Like, I mean, it's he has huge separate. And that's the other thing, you know, with boxers, they get super attached. And, like, man, when they have their human, like, that's it. And, yeah. like, you know, you try to board them or anything like that, it, it's, it's a nightmare. It's, like, it's to the point now where it's, like, I have some good friends that, you know, he really likes and that he knows. Yeah. And I have to, like, butter them up and talk them into coming and just staying with them because, you know, it doesn't work to put him in these other situations because you see it physically take a toll on him. Yeah, yeah, and that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, it got down to the point to where she was – she couldn't walk and this, that, and the other, and we finally – I was giving her all kinds of medicine, spending crazy money on her and – Mm-hmm. And um, they said the only thing that we can do is give her a blood transfusion. That took about two or three days, and it actually took effect. And I was able to give her six more months of, you know, pretty decent life where she was able to, you know, get around and do whatever. And then it came back the next time. But when we took her back to the vet that next time, he said, I checked her stomach area and her liver, and she's full of cancer. Yeah. And I said, well, then it's time. I don't want to see her suffering anymore. But, That's amen. the exact same decision I had to make with my last boxer. He he went from being 95 pounds in a very short period of time and getting stomach liver cancer. And Thank you. Yeah, and he, uh, he rapidly declined. I mean, in three months, he went down to being a 65-pound boxer. Yeah. Plus 30 pounds in like three months. I mean, I was literally watching him wither away. And when he hit 48 pounds, I mean, you could see every bone in his body. I was like, I asked the vet, I was like, hey, man, I've had the same vet since I was 16 years old that's taking care of every dog my family has owned. Mm -hmm. And... He's one of the best vets around. It's going to be a sad day when he retires. I know we don't have much longer with with Benford over in Carrollton. And he's a great guy, man. And we took him to these specialists and stuff like that. And they're like, well, you can try this, that. And Benford told me, he's like, listen, man, you ain't stopping this. Yeah. He's like, I ain't going to make you do all that because I know what's wrong with him. Yeah. yeah, I will will prescribe you the stuff that can, but you're going to have to know when it's time. Yeah. You're just going to make that decision. And, and I did it. I mean, it's sad. He had a bad day, and then I, I made the decision. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep him in. I called Benford and told him I'm going to take him in tomorrow. I said, I want to I want to have another night with him. And, man, I, I laid with him and slept with him all night and played with him all day. And he had a really good day. And then that next morning, I could just I could tell. Mm-hmm. Knew I made it. And then that next morning, man, he was kind of chipper and back up and I was like man am I making the right decision like right. And I'm like but I was like man all I'm gonna do is sit here and watch him continue to die yeah like I want to put him out of his misery before it's, it's uh man it's one of the toughest things in the world I had to turn in my man card because I balled all weekend oh man I'm, I'm telling you there's there's nothing there's nothing worse I mean yeah. losing a, a family member like that it's 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 brutal um how do we get on such dark topics? I don't all know, sudden, man. I don't know. We're about gonna, to have two guys over here crying. I know. Stuff. But I'm gonna take a break real quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No worries. Oh my goodness. Biz, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. <laughs> 
Come jump out. I forget you didn't set up a mic over there today. I'm over here asking you questions and shit like I, I'm used to you having a mic. Uh, oh, By the staircase. I just didn't do a microphone today just because you had such an interesting guy on. This dude has done everything. I know. It was amazing, right, that I come, in to, I come in to tell you about this, like, wild-ass connection and dude that I ran into. And, and you're knowing, like, Don? I've been knowing I, Don. I DJ for Don? I DJ all of his. Uh, he has these backyard parties that are, like, and, like, like one of his neighbor dudes is the dude, like, so, so before my stepdad passed, I brought my stepdad with me to one of his parties. And I didn't think, my, I didn't think he was a... I mean, my dad been in bands and done stuff and doing everything. I said, I yeah. nothing about it. I said, I'm just going to send him over there. Big old, big old fat guy going to sit in the corner. He was the life of the party. Yeah. Had people lined up to talk to him. He led. Don's whole party got up. They did the Cupid Shuffle, did this and did that. Man, Don's parties is off the chain. It's just like, so every time I DJ at Don's parties, I bring my stepdad and my brother with me. And it's just, it is like everybody from the guy that's the we got him mortgage guy. You see the commercial. That's like his neighbor. Yeah. To these other guys and these bands you're talking about. Yeah. This dude, you have a collection. He has a collection of whiskey, but he has like Japanese bourbons and whiskey. Yeah, and he's stuff. a little more diversified than I am. Like he he goes across the board a little bit more between the between bourbons, whiskeys, and Japanese whiskeys. I don't personally, Japanese gets too much like sake and scotch for me that's peated. I but don't yeah. know. I just know it was warm. I was happy and I DJed an extra hour because of it. Yeah. That's all I remember. They got a free hour. I, you got a free hour because it was just, nah, but interesting guy. And as it pertains to our theme of common sense, it's like, but somebody that's been in the music business, been in law enforcement, now is in oil. It's like, damn. And those are all non-related, polar opposite. Yeah, have nothing to do with each other. And, and he yet just, he's been super successful in everything he does. And, it, and I think it goes back down to the, the people and the connections, man. He, he keeps that, like he said, he keeps that going. I mean, like, everybody knows Don. Like, I was, like, trying to go around and, like, talk about this super cool dude I met that, I couldn't believe I hadn't ran into. And they'll say, oh, DB? Yeah. And I everybody, and like literally like eight out of 10 people that I told the story to were like, yeah, I know Don. Don's cool as shit. I'm like, this is wild. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, he let the beast you out. Let him out. Uh -oh. yeah, we were talking about him. Now he's going to he come comes. hijack the show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Khan. At yeah. any moment, it's going to happen. Yeah. In some yeah. minute, you're going to see my lap dog. I know that don't mean nothing. That'll mean nothing. Oh come on, quit being scared. Yeah. I don't know. He's real camera shy. You try to take a picture with him and he'll uh he'll he'll duck or he won't look at you. He'll keep me company over here. Yeah. No, but that's uh you know, talking about busy, that's crazy, you know, because we've you know, um, I got him introduced to Derek, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Derek's a great guy, too. Got a lot of stuff going on. So it's just, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, if you got somebody that you know does something good, like, hey, man, I got somebody I know you need to talk to, you know? Yeah. And you just keep making those connections or, you know, whatever. And then everybody, you know, I think kind of remembers that. 
Yeah, it's it's giving more than you're asking for. You know, if you're yeah. truly just being a servant and giving and like making connections, introducing people with no other intention of like, I mean, seeing somebody else be successful. You know, like yeah. seeing them helping them out, help you know, Love staying connected. Seeing people be able to be successful, especially yeah. if I've been the one to, you know, make that connection to hook them up and let them do that. You know, it's like. Man, I knew that was the right choice, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, um, I don't know. It, 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 it's something that I enjoy doing. I, um, I like getting out and, you know, being able to just have conversations with people, catch up with them or yeah. listen to what they're doing or help you know, people. A lot of times will just call me just as a sounding board, you know, or sometimes just a vent. They're like, man, I'm sorry. I'm you don't need to be hearing all this or whatever. And I was like, no, 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 go ahead. Talk, talk. So, um, that's just kind of, you know, where I guess where that all comes with. And weren't you a chaplain with the PD as well? Is that where that that kind of ties in? That's where that ties in. So once I got out of law enforcement or whatever, I, uh, went out and got ordained and I've, you know, uh, performed a couple of weddings. The first one actually was my oldest son. Um, and then, uh, um, but I wanted to do that so that I could stay connected with police and go out and get connected with their departments and, you know, be their chaplain. And I told them, so look, I said, don't listen to the word chaplain as you might think it is. I said, I'm not going to sit here and Bible thump you. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a drink. We're going to have a cigar, whatever you want. And let's just talk. Let's let's let you get yeah. out your grievances, or or if you've been in a uh, you know a shooting, you know, or you know where you had to shoot somebody, you know, let's let's get that out. So I don't want you feeling like you know going down that rabbit hole and feeling bad to where you're going to end up harming yourself at some point in time, you know, or thinking that it was just okay that yeah. you did that, you know. Remember, that's the life that you took, you know. No matter if it was warranted to an extent, you know, let's just keep it, you know, straight and level. So it, it's more of a, of a of a counseling type situation, and that's where I'm at with Hunt County. Even though whenever I go out with them, I'm I'm fully rigged out. I mean, I'm there to back them up on calls and whatever. So uh, I'm there. If the sheriff calls me right now and says I need you, I'm I'm gone. Yeah, you know, so it's just uh, it's worked out really good for me, and I mean, I I think that uh, uh, you know where where that's at right now and how I got involved with that. I was actually out at a golf tournament for the uh, uh, North Texas Narcotics Officers Association, and my uh, cousin was there. She's a dispatcher for Hunt County, and she was like, ah. Oh, you got to come talk to the sheriff. She said, we just lost our chaplain, and I think y'all would hit it off real well. And after a short, you know, 30, 45-minute interview with them or whatever, they were like, you're our guy. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think that's helped you, like, in your career and your personal life and your ability to work with and network with people? Um, I, I think just the ability to sit and have the, the conversations – of uh i got one here of of just listening and you know again uh talking with people and actually having 
good conversations uh, about what they're doing, listening to them intently on, you know, what that is and not just, you know, you know when you talk to people, sometimes they're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, it's just going in one ear and right out the other. Yeah. But I will sit back and uh, ask more in-depth questions about what they just said, you know, and go from there. And uh, I think that's kind of what helps me um, not only in that but in business. Um, well, okay, let's just kind of take that back for a minute and let's just say that I – a lot of times I'll take a large group of people out. Um, or there'll be a large group of people at my house or something like yeah. that. And I'll sit there and they'll just be listening to the conversations. Everybody else is sitting there just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm listening. And I'm listening and I'm going, okay, I need to get with him later on that. Because I'm hearing him say something. And it's probably something I need to talk to him about and make sure that, you know, that gets resolved. Or, yeah. you know, or whatever. And instead of being the one that's just sitting there talking, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about me. You know, it's about you guys. It's why I have you here. You know, let's listen to what you got to say. Yeah. You know, um, so, um, I don't know. I guess that's kind of where that well, comes That's a in. great lesson. I mean, that really is. I mean, that's very, very important to do. I mean, I, I can, I, I know myself, I have to stop myself sometimes because I get caught up in that at work. I'm really good at doing that outside of work, but sometimes at work, I can get so caught up in what I'm doing that some of my guys that, you know, work for me, my estimators and stuff like that, they come in and I, I catch myself doing that from time to time. I'm like, oh, all right, mm -hmm. stop. Whatever's on the computer screen or whatnot, give them their attention. They've, they've been out in the field. Yeah. They're here, and I'm trying to be a lot better about that because it, it's something I catch myself doing even. Well, okay, so I'll give you another for instance on that. Um, I was leading a really large team up in uh, Ohio on a project for uh, BP and uh, at 120 people or something like that. I had 14 counties that we were over and a bunch of team leads that I put – my top guys over yeah and said here's this here's that i had an office i had my assistant i had two attorneys sitting right outside my office and i said look i said anytime that you guys want to come and talk about something that you've got going on with your work come talk to me and so they would bring in their problems that they were having with either you know a title project or whatever it may be and i'm like okay look Go see so-and-so because I knew who had a particular, uh, you know, I guess um, expertise in that yeah. certain area. I was like, go see so-and-so. And then they would go take, get with them, got taken care of, done. But if you don't know any of that stuff about those people, then what good does it do you, you know, yeah. as somebody who's supposed to be the leader, you know? Um, and then – when they do that kind of stuff, make sure and give them some accolades about it, you know. Uh, even even more so, you know, uh, to take them out or do, you know, whatever. Just to make sure they know that that was recognized, you know. So, just things like that. Um, 
I think that uh, that's just a good quality for anybody to have. You know? Yeah. All right, we've got Donna's chiming in here. I don't know who Terry Jones is, but I'm assuming you probably know who Terry, Terry Jones Terry is. Terry Jones a, is the sheriff. He's the best thing that happened to Hunt County. He is. <laughs> he is. He's a great man. He's really uh, – I got him – I think I've taken him down the rabbit hole and got him on cigars a little bit. <laughs> there you go. I took him in some cigars, and then now every time I go in and see him, he's like, man – you created a monster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so great. You know, I started out my cigar journey just uh, being on vacation. I think that's where it happens for a lot of people. You end up somewhere in the Caribbean or South America, and you stop in and port or something, and, yeah. you, you know, here you get this opportunity. I'm, I'll try oh, this cigar. By the way, Donna, hello, and uh, appreciate everything you do over there. Yeah, Donna. Donna's a good person, man. Donna's been a long time friend. Uh, she's lived out that way for a long time. I mean, I'm assuming Donna still lives in the same area off the lake that her and Paige did. And uh, yeah, I mean, as long as I can remember knowing, I mean, I knew Paige before I knew Donna, and I remember when they got that lake house out there, man. That was that was their life, man. That was their retreat. Like, cool. They busted their ass in the multifamily industry, and like, they had that little retreat out there, man. And they were fishing and living it up on the lake life, man. Make sure and uh, put go go in and vote for them again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, based on her comments, she's definitely oh yeah definitely no. in there for he's a, Mr. He, Jones. He, he is a great guy, and and. Uh, and Buddy, the chief deputy over there, he's uh, he's another great guy as well. All of them are, seem like really great that I've uh, been able to have the opportunity to meet and or uh, and and ride out with and you know help uh, do whatever they you know were doing at the time. Uh, I think the last time we just you know got out and had to work some accident that was just crazy. <laughs> somebody yeah. ran up in somebody else's backyard. Oh man, yeah, that's crazy! But uh, how how do you think that's changed in the with you know current times and stuff? I mean, what's your outlook the, on that now with the way everything's changing with man, all these I, I, social I, movements and? I feel for the guys now, I really do, because today's day and age, with you know having cell phones and then them having to wear body cams and everything else, it's a different story when you go out there now because the. The, the, the deputies and the officers, uh, they, you, you almost can't do your job without having the feeling that you could possibly end up losing your job and yeah. or possibly losing your life because now you're going to get sent to prison over it. And all you were doing was trying to do your job and protect. Yeah. I was in in the day and age where there wasn't any cameras and cell phones around or whatever and if we needed to you know thump on somebody for a minute to get them to comply that's what we did you yeah. know i don't i do not get these people sitting there getting pulled over and wanting to argue with the fact that all they were getting pulled over for initially was just speeding yeah take the ticket and pay for it you were speeding do your you know pay your price pay your price dude you know, but what did you do? You just escalated it now. Problem is, is what nobody ends up sitting here thinking about when it comes to um, stops or calls or anything else is on both sides. 
the officer's side and or the citizen's side, you don't know what they've been through that day, yeah. what they're going through in life. So on the reverse side, from the citizen side, you don't know what that officer's been through that day and or what he's going through in his life. Don't push his button. You know, uh, think about things before you open your friggin' mouth. You know, yeah. um, just let them write you the ticket. Go on about your business. You know, yeah, you're going to have to be out some money. It's your fault. You were speeding, you know. But, um, I mean, it's just, uh, again, going into all those situations, nobody knows what somebody's gone through that day or that week Yeah, that has gotten them to that level. So I was always one that would go in to the situation and try to, let's talk it down. Let's, let's bring it down. Let's bring it down. You know, not sit there and try to give orders and then they get mad and you just give more orders and it just escalates. Yeah. Hey man, let, let you know, slow it down here. Let's talk about this for a second. Absolutely. So, you know, again, it's it's a different day and age, and I feel for the guys now. I would not, uh, you know, want to be in their footsteps, even though sometimes I'm kind of inserting myself in that now when I go out with them. Yeah. But I'm willing to do that if I'm going to be there to do that and back them up. And or I've told officers whenever um, – I've talked to them before, you know, and they're like, hey, man, why do you travel with, an, you know, uh, an AR in your truck, you know, or, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, well, would you rather me have a BB gun and see you in a firefight on the side of the road and not be able to back you up? That's why I do it. I don't do it because I'm trying to be Billy Badass and, you know, I'm going to do this or do that. Yeah. I'm carrying it around because... I might need to be able to defend you and or maybe another citizen that's yeah. just out there. I mean, yeah. yeah, they just had that crazy thing in Houston on the highway where that, like, convicted felon, like, is, like, risking his life and, like, actually going out and got out of his truck and is, like, dragging and shot officers yeah. back behind his work truck and trailer trying to get them out of harm's way and stuff like that. And that dude did not have a gun a bulletproof vest, nothing. Mm -hmm. He's just out there trying to help. And, I mean, yeah. you'd have thought he'd be the last person being a convicted felon, you know, having that label on him, anti-cop, whatever, you probably would suspect him to be mm -hmm. or you would assume him to be. And yet, you you know, this guy's out there. I mean, a packed Houston freeway. Everybody in Texas know what a Houston freeway looks yep. like at any given time during the day. Yep. There's never not a shitload of traffic. Right. I mean, but yeah, I mean, you want to be prepared and be able to assist in something like that. Well, and that's um, the situation that it would be whenever I was like, man, I would be sometimes the only guy out, uh, you know, like out in Range County at night. Me and maybe a trooper or something like that, and maybe one other officer uh, or a deputy. And uh, I'd pull over a diesel for speeding, you know, truck driver. And I'd sit there and go over everything. Everything else looked okay, you know, whatnot. And I'd say, you know what, here's the thing. I could give you a ticket. I said, but I'm not going to. I was like, here's why. I said, I know you got a gun in here. I said, you probably shouldn't have it. I said, but I know you do. And I said, so... 
Here's the deal. You ever see me or any of my deputies in some kind of a situation, your ass better stop, get out, and assist. Yeah. You got it. And would they? I don't know. But what am I get what what am I doing? I'm letting him off of a ticket? Big deal. Yeah. You know? Just because there's that slight chance that I'm rolling the dice that this guy might be able to get out and help me. Yeah. You know, if I'm getting my ass handed to me. <laughs> I, no, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah. That's a, that, I mean I've never heard anybody in law enforcement say that and have that approach. But I, I mean it, it makes I sense. I did all the time. Yeah. I would sit there and just, you know, be like that and say, you know, look, here's the deal. This is not a I'm not trying to pull some kind of a, you know, quota thing out here. If I was, I'd be writing you a ticket right now. Yeah. It's here's but there's why. so many people that feel entitled so I I get made fun of like I knew if it was late at night and stuff like that. I was always taught and like I've had this debate and argument with several people. If I'm getting pulled over for whatever, speeding, didn't use my turn signal, whatever, they're obviously pulling me over for a reason. Mm-hmm. I did something. Yeah. Whether I felt like that's right or wrong, it doesn't matter at that point. And especially if it's at night, well, I will turn the radio off, roll down my windows, mm-hmm. and put my hands out the window so that they can see. I'm not trying to grab anything. I ain't doing anything. And I've had several people actually argue with me about that, saying, oh, you're just making yourself look guilty. Like, you're, you're, you're going above and beyond. Like, you, you, you're giving them reason to now, like, do more. And I'm yeah. like, how does that make sense to you? Like, that, that makes no sense to me. Because at night, y'all can't see as much when you're walking up to the car. Right. You're, you don't see them not holding their gun or, like, have their hand ready because right. they don't know what they're walking into. And I, it, you don't have to have a legal tent or anything. Like, you could have the standard tinting that comes on your car and, you know, just normal shit, completely it's legal. It's still hard to see. It's still night. stupid hard. You don't know if he's reaching down to the side of his seat or anything like that. He and could actually be looking for his insurance card. Yeah. And it looks suspicious. Mm-hmm. And it's like, don't do that. Wait until they tell you. And, you know ask for you know different things or whatever i mean it's just in in today's day and age it's just not worth putting up an argument with them take whatever they're going to give you now i'm not going to say that there's not any uh, bad bad cops Mm -hmm. there's bad people in every profession i mean there just is Mm -hmm. so you know don't don't you know think that there's not but the majority are yeah. there because that's the job that they chose to do. They could be choosing to do something that would pay them a hell of a lot more. Yeah. You got professional football players out there, you know, getting paid millions to just go out there and catch a ball and, you know, get their body hit here and there, you know, but so does, so do the cops. Yeah. You know, why are they not getting that kind of pay? Yeah. Yeah, because we're not, you know, looking at them on Monday night football, you know. Yeah. But, hey, you watch them on, you know, live cops PD. Live cops, PD. you know. So, I, I, you know, really think that they should be getting a hell of a lot more. Sounds like you're like me, too, where you really just, like, I hate, 
I hate people that try to profile and put everybody into like categories and boxes. Like if, if more people would just treat people as human beings, like I don't care what color, what your sexuality is, all, all this stuff. Like it's irrelevant. Cause at the end of the day, you're a human trying to go through life and, and enjoy life the way you want to enjoy life. Well, unfortunately our, 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 um, I guess um, situation with everybody's just life as they look at it and the way that they live their lives, um, even to the way that they you know dress and or you know whatever. Yeah. When 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 you sit there and you uh, it's media. It really is media. Yeah. You sit there and you look at the media and you look. Okay, what does a gangster you know drug dealer look like? Yeah. You know? Well, most of the time they think that a drug dealer. Looks like, you know, this guy that's, you know, got, uh, you know, a bunch of gold hanging around his neck and, you know, this, that, and the other, whatever, and he kind of dresses like a thug and whatnot. That's, the, oh, he's a bad guy, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case. No, you know? absolutely not. And I guarantee you, if the, you want to really look at who the real drug dealer is, it's the guy in the three-piece suit that's funding all that shit. Yeah. Making the money off that shit, you know? So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's bad people, like you said, in every aspect of life. And it's, you know, there's bad people in every race, every religion, every profession. There are good and bad. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, you're, you're going to deal with that. So, if you always, and I feel like, too, that people that are always looking for that, You'll find it. If that's what you're looking for, you're going to find it. Yeah. If that's the, that's the things you're putting out in the universe. Yeah. You know, you will beget that at some point. But, but, but then, but then I'm going to say this as far as the, you know, the, the real bad guys out there. There are some of them that just don't care. Yeah. They have no, they, they, they don't care if you live or die. You know, yeah. they, they don't care if you got a family that they, you know, they just assume try to kill your family as well. That's just what they yeah. are, you know, and uh, you just don't want to get into those uh, realms or those situations or whatever. It's just don't put yourself in that element. What, uh, what other things in today's current political climate are you passionate about? Um. Well, of course, because I'm a real gun guy. Yeah. You know, man, I, you know, I, all these people saying, you know, they're against guns and this, that, and the other, whatever. It, at least carry and be proficient with what you're carrying all the time. Because if there would have been more people doing that when the Allen shooting went on, they probably would have been able to take that guy out a lot quicker if somebody would have actually taken action. Yeah. If I'd have been there, I'd have taken action. If you'd have been there, you'd have taken action, you know, and probably been able to end it right there. You don't, you hear about all the bad stuff, but you don't ever hear about the gun, the guy who stopped the guy who could have continued a mass shooting. Yeah, those stories last 30 seconds in the media. Because it doesn't make news. Nobody's like excited. They want to hear. It's like all the uh, the looky loos on the damn road. Whenever there's a bad accident, yeah. they want to see carnage. Why? And how many people actually stop when there's somebody that happened? I mean, I got 
I got recognized by a client because of my beard. You know, I had a motorcycle that, thank God, I was like, I always stay back on motorcycles, yeah. man. I have utmost yeah. respect for motorcycles. I love motorcycles. I just yeah. won't own one in Dallas because it's, it's nuts. Yeah, it's dangerous. Hey, Biz, will you let him inside real quick? I shut his dog door. Um, yeah, it's, you know, most of these people, they're, they're too busy in their own world. Like, I mean, this cat, like, slammed in the back of this car, like, he was from out of town. He was riding his bike back home. Had like a military backpack on him with his tools in it. He'd been doing a job here. It's rush hour on a Friday on the tollway. And the, the sun's coming in from the west, you know, like blinding him. He's not like messing with his phone, but he has his phone on one of the mounts, yep, right? Yep, yep. He's looking because he can't, the glare all of a sudden, he went like this. I mean, I watched the guy. I was, I was 20 yards behind him. He went like this. Traffic kept, you know, slowing down, and then it would come to a stop, and then it would go for it. He did it at the wrong time, man. Like, dude just had bad timing. He went like that to see if it was his exit he needed to get off of, and traffic stopped. Like, right as he's looking up, he's about to eat the back end of this little, you know, four-door sedan, yeah. and he just grabbed his brake, and he went through his windshield with his left arm, mm. which split him open all the way through here. Yeah. Well, he picked himself up off the bike and just started running around. That adrenaline hit him. But the dude is flinging blood. And I have an easy stomach, man. Like, yeah. I, I mean, like, it's not seeing it. Yeah. It's you telling me the story of how it happened. <laughs> That's what gets me. I mean, you can start telling me some gruesome story. Yeah. I will relive that visually in my head. Mm -hmm. I'll be out cold. Yeah, seeing it doesn't really bother me, yeah. and everybody gets that messed up. People try to send me gross stuff all the time, <laughs> trying to mess with me. But you know, we got out. My wife, she's panicked because traffic stopping behind us. She's been in a bunch of bad. She has neck injuries, and like she's all freaking out. Like me and three other trucks blocked this guy in, so we get out and like I mean I grab a golf towel out of my back. I was like, come on, dude, all right, you were in the military. Get, get back to, like, basics here. Yeah. I need you to sit down. I know the pavement's hot, but, like, I need you to wrap your arm and get this thing wrapped. I was like, they've already called the ambulance and stuff. Like, yeah. you're all right. Like, I don't think you're, like. to reuse as a tourniquet. Yeah, I was like, but you need to wrap that arm, man. Like, I mean, I don't know a lot about medical stuff, but, like, we need to get some pressure on that right now because you are flinging blood everywhere. Yeah. And one of the guys, luckily, had a cooler in the back grabbing water and stuff, but, like, I mean, how many people would have just like let traffic go and just keep on going and stuff like that? And then they, they cops do get all there the time. and it's they, like, and, and or they'll sit there and they'll take out their phone and start videoing the damn thing. Yeah, get out and freaking help the guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, what the hell are you doing? You'd want somebody to do that if it's you or your kid or yeah. your wife. I mean, I don't, I don't get people when it comes to all that kind of stuff. It just what's going through their head that they got to sit there and take the time to try to video this crap. Instead of stepping in and stopping it, you know. Yeah. I that's my my older son. You know, one time he said, you know, he was thinking about going and trying to apply it to the police department, and I said, no. He looked at me and said, what do you what do you mean no? I said, no. I said, what? Well, I said, let me just ask you a quick question. I said, have you ever been around you like your friends or something like that, and there's been a fight breakout? I said, what'd you do? He said, I just moved out of the way. I said, really? You didn't get in and try to break it up? Yeah. And he goes, well, no. 
I was like, well, then, yeah, number one, you, uh, that, that's not what a cop does. He, he'll get in and he'll break it up. Yeah. I said, uh, also, too, I said, whenever it comes to blood and, you know, any kind of massive casualty, you know, type situation or whatever, I said, you faint at the sight of blood. I said, yeah. you're not going to be in this business. For right. For sure. You're going to see that stuff. You yeah. Know? It's not nice. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's gory sometimes. And I said, I've been on some really, really nasty accidents. And I said, and it was just something that should have just turned, you know, people's stomachs. And I said, and it kind of got to me later on, you know, especially if there was kids involved or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, you just process it different. That's tough, though, because a lot of people don't know that. That's what I hate. People that assume that people that haven't been that, like, anybody that's ever been in a fight, you know when somebody else has not, not ever been in a fight. And it's usually the one talking the most. Mm-hmm. Like, they've never had their ass whooped ever in their life. And if you've been in a fight or two, you've gotten your ass whooped at least once. Yeah. Like, every single one of them. I don't care. The baddest dude. I mean, look at these UFC guys stuff. Mm -hmm. They have undefeated. Eventually, you run into a dude that's just a little bit better than you, and he's going to whoop your ass. somebody bigger and better. Yeah, they're always. And, it you know, it amazes me at some of these people. And I'll say this, and I'm a... I'm going to paraphrase this much without throwing anybody in the bus because a lot of there are certain people that will know what I'm talking about, and I, I don't want to bring that up too much. But it's like I had a very good friend that is one of my best friends, and he, him and a girl that we worked with moved in together and shared an apartment. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend got jealous about another coworker and came over and murdered her. I mean, like, stabbed her to death in the apartment. And he was in his room. This dude does not own a weapon. He had, like, authentic swords, basically. You know what I'm talking about? Like, them big, heavy steel swords. Like, he actually had some of those. And it's like, her family and a lot of other people berated him. Like, once he heard what was going on and, like, heard everything, like, he went in and the dude turned with the knife in his hand and been stabbing her to death and, like, turned the knife on him, and he, he turned around and called 911. And half the family, like, was <laughs> blaming him that he did he could have done more. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. Have you ever been in a situation? I mean, I know I haven't. I haven't walked in on seeing somebody getting stabbed to death. No. And a dude holding a knife that's bigger than you, you know, in better shape than you, what, you know, whatever the situation is. How are you going to sit there and lay judgment on something like that if you've never been in that situation? You don't know how you're going to react to that. Mm-mm. You don't know until you've been in a firefight, a fight, whatever, or, or that situation, you don't know how you're going to react. Yeah. So to see people pass judgment and to, like, get on these keyboards and start typing all this shit when they see this stuff... You don't know. I mean, would you have really? Would you have really done anything differently? Would you have actually stepped up and done something? The majority of people, I'm going to say, no, no, they no, would. they wouldn't. They would. They're too wrapped up in themselves or worried about themselves that they wouldn't actually risk themselves to do something like that. Right. Well, just same thing. Like my wife ripped my ass one year at PK. That there was a boat with family, little kids, a newborn baby on the busiest day of the year on the lake, and. This guy had a boat that was a $150,000 wakeboarding boat that 
he didn't know how it fully functioned and didn't even know where his backup battery was. I mean, this dude knew he had no he business had being like, <laughs> he just bought a fancy boat so his eight-year-old could wakeboard behind a cool boat. And he took his whole family out on this and another family for the busiest day on the lake. Well, guess what? It took on too much water. He didn't have all his pumps on because uh, this is a boat that's designed yeah. to take on water to make right. bigger wakes, yeah. and it pushes the water out. But then when it all started going down, they're literally – this $150,000 boat is sinking. Mm -hmm. Well, we got up close enough to him, and I threw out a cooler, put my life jacket on, jumped in the water, and me and my brother-in-law jumped on there and started bailing out water, got the kids and the women off onto the boat. Yeah. The dad – and and the grandpa stayed on the boat. They refused to get off. They were being stubborn. Right. You know, I was like, "Hey, we got this. We yeah. got." We bailed that water out. Found his second battery. Turned it on. Got the bilge pumps working. Got it out. Towed him in. Saved the boat and the whole damn family. I mean, I'm talking. There were three little kids under the age of eight and a newborn baby. Wow. Two women, two men, and a grandfather on this boat and like so you just jumped into that water i'm like there were little kids man yeah. like shit yeah. like i'm not gonna let watch some kid drown no, like no, no. shit like no. but i mean this is when everybody's leaving the fireworks show i mean boats are flying by i mean like yeah. it's chaotic i mean there's four foot swells in the sure. middle of this lake sure and this channel where everybody's going but i mean i just hate to see that like people like start passing judgment and want to be keyboard warriors over here and start judging people and saying how they would have done it or why didn't he do this? You don't know. You, you've you never been in that situation. Right. And if you had, I bet you just watched. Yeah. You maybe picked up the phone, but that's about it. Yeah. You didn't do anything. No. That's, I, I you know, even to this day from just being, you know, in law enforcement or whatever, I'm sitting at a intersection and I scan all the time. I'm always scanning. Yeah. Just to see what's going yeah, on watching people around you i'm the same way when i'm in a restaurant a yeah, bar always. i know where to get out i know i yeah. i watch people you know you, you know i think people need to be a little more aware of their surroundings they do most people that get into these situations they have they are no so clue. wrapped up in their own world that they don't pay attention to shit going on around mm -hmm. them always be aware if you would just be a little more aware life would be a lot better and you'll be more conscious of things happening around you people around you conversations you could be getting into yeah it's not necessarily eavesdropping or you know like maybe you hear him talk about something great and then all of a sudden you have an intro to like say something that would you know maybe spark a new relationship a new friendship something like yeah. people just seem to be a little I'm, more I've been, less I've been, in, I've been in a situation where i've said something in a bar or whatever and some guy you know come up and he's like you know or turn around and he's like what the hell did you just say and i'm yeah. like what you know, and he's like, I'm like, no, bro. I, like, I didn't say anything. He keeps coming at me. I'm like, dude, seriously, I didn't yeah. say that. But, you know, let's just turn this around. How about I go over here and buy you a drink? Yeah. And let's just start this over because I, yeah. I totally didn't say anything like that. Yeah. You know? Instead of escalating into, you want to you you get fight? You want to go? You know yeah. what I mean? Why do I want to ruin my night like that? Yeah. You know, I was out having a good time. Learn to turn a situation around. Like, that's yeah. crucial. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been other times where yeah. it's, it's went a different way. But Yeah. <laughs> I'll be happy to engage with you, sir. Oh, yeah. Be happy.
right, well, we're getting here towards the end of the show. We need to wrap this up. You and I could sit here and do this for hours. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll have to have you back on the show here soon again, and we'll do this again. We appreciate everybody that's been tuned in tonight, yeah, we, man. We've we, had a lot of great comments. We can go into more specific topics next time. Yeah, next time we'll, we'll dive a little deeper. We'll see what the feedback is and what you guys want to hear us talk about a little more. You guys have questions for Don? Shoot them in. We'll bring them back on the show. You guys you guys tell me what you want to hear, what you want to know. I'll, I'm, I'm open to that. And we're going to – the website is officially done. So – all of you that are on here now, there will be some merch coming soon. We're working on that, but the website's done. So you guys can go to commonsensethepodcast.com, check it out. It's got great links. You guys want to have a guest on here, you can send them to that page. There's a quick little thing where they can sign up to reach out to me. I'll reach out to them and talk to them. Or if you personally would like to be on the show and there's something you want to talk about, Reach out to me as well. Everything's on there where you guys can do that now. It's real easy. Um, hope you guys like the website, man. We spent a long time working on this and revising it because I'm a little OCD and anal. So, you know, I had to make sure it was perfect to me before I wanted it out there. But you guys, please go check it out. Give it a share. Give it a like. And we hope you guys are enjoying the shows. But it's that time where we do the two questions that we do with everybody. So the first question is, if you could leave your boys with one piece of advice, the last piece of advice you could give them, what would that one piece of advice be? Uh, my piece of advice, I guess, is to, uh, uh, like I was talking about earlier, I guess, reach out and talk to people possibly that you haven't talked to in a while or um, reach out and talk to people that, you know, seem to be always reaching out to you or something like that. I mean, it, it, I get in a situation where I'm like, I, in, I invite people and, you know, want to see them, want to go out with them all the time, you know, do this and that. Yeah. And there's always some excuse or whatever. Make time for people. Literally, just make time for people. And I think that you'll find out that your life will be more rewarding if you do. Yeah. I just got asked if you're uh naughty Santa. <laughs> nice one, Brian. Nice hey, one. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, Brian. Yeah. You, you'll have to wait to one of his parties and find out. Maybe he'll get you out to the Christmas party or something. <laughs> no, on, on that Come note, too. My lap. No, yeah, and I, yeah. There you go. There you have it. No, there's a, there's a, you know, there's something a good friend of mine suggested recently, and I've been trying to incorporate this too, and it goes along with what you just said, and I just want to add to that, that he challenged me basically because he talked about how he was doing this, and I've tried really hard to do this recently, that once a week, reach out to someone you ain't talked to in a long time. Mm -hmm. Just pick up the phone, call an old friend, an old acquaintance, whatever, and just check on them, see how they're doing. Like start a simple conversation and that's been so cool man because i've reconnected with a lot of people that i ain't talked to in a long time that you know some used to be really good friends that maybe we've grown a little bit apart whatever but just that that one phone call to hey man how how are things going in your world what what's life treating you like yeah. today 
Yeah. I mean, it could change a lot of things. Yeah, it can. Yeah. And, and, and you just never know. And it may be nothing but just reconnecting for that one night. And you don't know what they're going through. So yeah. Yeah. maybe you call it just the right time. Yeah. Because uh, I, I know we had a, re- a friend on here recently, too, that lost somebody that they had no idea what they were going through. And um, this person decided to take their life. And, I mean, what if that phone call could have changed that just because they felt alone or didn't have anybody to talk to, and you, you made that one phone call? Well, I mean, and, uh, you know, that's I'm, the extreme end of it, but, like, you know, you, again, you never know what people are going through. Everybody goes through shit in life. Here, and, and here's a perfect example of whatever. I just found out tonight that, you know, Busy's uh, stepdad had just uh, passed away, and I, he was a great guy. I got to meet him yeah. a couple of times, come over to a couple of my parties. Freaking super great guy. And uh, I feel bad that I hadn't talked to him, you know, in the last couple months or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, just finding that out. Yeah. That, that hurts my heart. But, you know. Yeah. Circle of life. It yep. is. All right. Now for the big question. Oh, hell. It ain't really a question. But it's Common Sense Podcast. Okay. We tell everybody at the end, this can be something I didn't ask you that you feel you really want to get off your chest or that you wanted to talk about or that you want to talk about that you didn't get the chance to. It could just be something you feel like sharing with everybody, but give us Don's two cents. Ah, my two cents. Um, my two cents is again, you know, it's one of those things to where when I, um, I, I, I'm, I'm a very social person. Yeah. So whenever I want to get out and I want to, you know, uh, have a crowd, you know, come with me or, you know, whatever, these people that I have made connections with at these different places or whatever will bend over backwards a lot of times to accommodate me. Yeah. And so if you say you're going to be there, then, you know, I get it. Some people have something that comes up, you know, or whatever. But a lot of times I feel like, you know, just they just – didn't show up, yeah. you know, or whatever. And it's like, hey, call me and let me know why yeah. you didn't show up. Don't just 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 ghost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, or just if you really don't want to be there, tell me you ain't going to come. Exactly. It ain't going to hurt, hurt my feelings. feelings. It hurts my feelings more when I plan for you to be there and you don't show up. Because ain't I'm that really right, biz? <laughs> because I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to you being there. And then when you don't show... Uh, yeah. me. Well, I mean, we, we, we had a couple guys I ain't going to call out by name that did that yesterday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, be respectful of people. Yeah. You know, like it, it's, it's, it's not respectful to make commitments and not, not do what you say you're going to do. The biggest thing you do is do what you say you're going to do. Well, and, and it's not just that, but I mean, I'm, I'm normally one of these guys that always, if I'm invited to come somewhere, I'm supposed to be at a meeting somewhere, or this, that, and the other. Yeah. I'm always there way early. Yeah. Just because I don't want to have something come up. Yeah. An accident or, you know, whatever, and make Absolutely. me end up being late. Yeah. It just makes me look like I'm not professional enough to yeah. be Yeah. Or that you didn't care enough. Or that I didn't care. Yeah. And that sends a, a stronger message. It may have not been your intention, but that's the message you sent. That's it. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, again, yeah. and, 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 and then, again, always just when you're in conversations, listen. Listen. Don't just talk over people. Yeah. Well, Don, man, I want to thank you. You helped us out tonight because, I mean, this was last minute getting you out here. That's all right. I greatly appreciate you coming out. 
sitting down with us. It's good. It sharing good. all this knowledge. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'll be glad to come back again. And, uh, you know, yeah. as I say, on the flip side, if I start doing my thing or whatever, I'm going to have you on. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. I'd love to do it, man. I, I would love to get invited on to some other podcasts. I try to reach out to some of these other podcasters too, man. Like, I love doing it. I think it's fun. Um, I think people learn a lot from it. And, you know, I'm happy to support it in any way I can, whether that's other people's shows or – you know, you want to come on this show again, let me know. Reach out. Um, happy to have you guys on. Well, again, man, thank you. Yeah. Um, glad we've got to really connect now. Yeah, finally. We've become good friends. And After freaking how many years? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's it's wild when you go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, like, it's cool. I mean, I can't believe we never really crossed paths like that like to I'm, the extent I'm sure now. we were in the same exact place. But now we get to do the place. old man thing and reminisce that's about it. all that shit. That's so it. that's cool, too. I, I love it. Well, but that's the thing, though. And I will tell you, this is the one last thing, and I will say, Whenever I was growing up and I was a kid, my grandfather used to take me out and go to some place like the feed store, and it'd be the old guys sitting out in front of the feed store just shooting the shit. Yeah. And I would sit there and listen, and they would tell me all this stuff, and I would just learn. I had no idea how they did stuff back in the day. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that just it just amazed yeah. me, you know, and the knowledge that these old men had. So. Absolutely. Don't sit there and look at any person that's older than you are and sit there and think, you know, these guys don't know. They don't know. Yeah. Um, they probably know. They know a lot. Yeah. It's just whether or not you want to listen. In somebody's face. If they've been there, you you, you know it. Yeah, you absolutely. <laughs> well, y'all stay safe. We'll be back next week. We will be back on our normal time on Thursday. Um. Not sure where we're going to shoot that show at yet, but I'm sure it'll probably be back at the lounge. I think we're finally about to a point at the lounge where uh, our show will be back to being pretty regular there. We are going to have about three more shows for you guys before the end of the year, and then we're going to take a little holiday break, regroup, look out. I've got a new program, so you are going to get to see more short clips and stuff like that. We'll be bringing that to you guys. And then next week... I'm bringing a good friend of mine on, one of my favorite artists. He's my tattoo artist, uh, Colin Johnson. You guys are going to get to meet him, and we're going to go down that rabbit hole of all his artsy world and all the things he does. I think you guys will enjoy that. He's a really dope guy that has a lot of uh, lot of very interesting perspectives on things and uh, looks at things through a little different lens than maybe everybody normally looks through. and. I'm excited to sit down with him and talk about that. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Peace. Yeah.